Welcome to Off the Record, a podcast featuring leaders on IBJ Media's Indiana 250 list. I'm Nate Feltman, CEO of IBJ Media, which publishes the Indiana 250, a list of the most influential business people in Indiana. Today, we're talking with Brad Chambers, who has made the list in each of its first two years. He recently stepped down as Indiana Secretary of Commerce and just announced he's running for governor. We talked about his two years leading the state's economic development efforts and what changes have helped the state attract jobs. But that conversation took place before he announced he was going to run for governor. So you also hear a quick chat we recorded later about that decision. Here's our conversation. Glad to be joined by Indiana Secretary of Commerce, Brad Chambers. Brad, this is your last week at the IEDC as you wrap up two years to your commitment that you made. And I was lucky enough to interview you right before you were starting that job two years ago. Uh, so thanks for being with us yeah, again, thanks and thanks for having the conversation again. As I mentioned, you just you made the decision two years ago to step away from a very successful business development company and, and to commit to working for the state of Indiana with, with the Governor Holcomb administration. As you think about those two years, what stands out? Is there a significant project or, or something really significant that stands out over those two years of, of uh, work for the state of Indiana? Yeah, I, I remember our, our first interview fondly because as you know, I wasn't in practice of, of doing interviews like that. And so uh, candidly, I was probably a little, a little nervous. And you know, and, and you snuck a couple of questions in there, Nate, that I knew would come back to, <laughs> to, uh, to, to this day, actually, to this interview about, about uh, two years. But it was not um, something that I had contemplated, you know, like you said, running my day-to-day of Buckingham companies. And, but I gave it serious consideration, and man, am I glad I did. What a terrific two years, so rewarding for me personally. And the thing that stands out to me is, the unlimited potential of our state. I, I, after my two years, I look back and is there one thing or two things that are, are most, um, you know, most impactful? The one thing that's impactful is just this mosaic of our state, the people, the workforce, the innovation, and the opportunity that lays before us if we go get it, mm-hmm. if we're bold. And that's what's most exciting about looking back on those two years and potentially looking into the future. Awesome. Well, I remember when we talked two years ago, you talked about the the two-year commitment you thought might create a sense of urgency. And and it seems to me over the last two years, as I look at what you've accomplished and your IEDC team has accomplished, you absolutely work the sense of urgency. The investment numbers, the job creation numbers are massive. They're record-setting over the last two years. How did you create that sense of urgency with your team and not just your team, but other agencies that you have to work with to get economic development projects accomplished in the state? Right. I think you're right. I I think I used the word shot clock when we had our interview a couple of years ago. And I felt that I I have when you're an entrepreneur, um, as you know, you do have a sense of urgency because capital needs to have a return quickly. And, and the, the longer capital stays without a return, the worse your investment gets. And so that's just kind of my DNA and my being. And, and as, a, as a business person, it's super important to keep momentum and to build momentum and to keep that urgency about the team. And I felt the same thing. I had a two-year commitment to Governor Holcomb uh, on this job. But I thought there's an opportunity set that was timely and, and to change 
you know, change the culture a bit at the IEDC mm-hmm. and to shoot higher and, and be aspirational about what we could go get demanded urgency. And thankfully, the team at the IEDC and the market and the other partners in state agencies felt that same urgency and, and, and it produced significant results. Well, it, it showed and uh, you, you definitely sparked the folks that working in different agencies and, yeah. and your team. One of the things we also talked about was the need to tell Indiana's story and all that we have to offer in this great state. And uh, especially coming out of the pandemic, the work from home environment that we find ourselves in, how do you think we're doing today in telling Indiana's story and selling our state to people and to entrepreneurs and, and potentially new companies? Yeah, better, but still not there, right? You know, one of the people ask me all the time, what, what's, what, are, what are your definitions of leadership? And I think one of the most central ingredients to leadership is humility. You've also got to build on humility with confidence and aspiration and hope for a better future. Indiana is chock full of hope for a better future. We've proven that with uh, the people respond to that through our winners. Indiana is for winners ad campaign. That's been a global ad campaign. 200 million impressions. People love that commercial. Indiana is for winners. It's making a statement. It's suggesting that we are winning in the global economy, and we are. So we, we, we're humble, and that's a great ingredient to global leadership, but we also need to be confident and hopeful. And so um, there's more to do there, but just in our short tenure, I'm super pleased with starting to lean into leadership and, and being more confident. So one of the other things you talked about uh, before taking the job was emphasizing quality over quantity right. of jobs. And I think that means higher wage jobs. You talk about jobs of the future mm-hmm. as part of your five E's. And uh, one of the phrases I really always liked that you said is, uh, let's go get the economy we want, right. not the accept the economy we get. Uh, which I think is a very good way to think about economic development and how do we you know, progress in our state. When you look back over the last two years, how do you think we did on that front in terms of focusing on quality over quantity? Uh, I'd give us extremely high marks on that. We were very deliberate from the very start of going to get an economy we want, looking at the talent in the history of our workforce and saying, what are the industries that will power our economy into the future, and then picking up the phone and making cold calls, if you will, to some of the largest companies in the world and going to recruit those companies to our state, semiconductors. There was not any semiconductor activity uh, before the summer of 2021 in our state. And today there's six semiconductor companies you know, building and thriving right. in our state. EV batteries and, and, and industries around the energy transition are new to our state higher wage, future-focused industry. So that is one area where I'm really proud of the organization. We picked our spots. We, you know, we, we were focused and uh, we delivered results on those industries of the future that we think are good for Hoosiers you know, to, of today and Hoosiers of tomorrow. Yeah, it, it shows. So the other, one of the other things that I think you went on, it went into the job early on, already with somewhat of an understanding that our quote, playbook needed updating our economic development incentives, uh, strategies in terms of how we approach economic development. In particular, the toolkit mm-hmm. that we have to ac- access sure. uh, the 
and go after these new opportunities. Can you talk a little bit about some of the more important updates to the toolkit that, sure. that you pushed for and were able to accomplish uh, working with the governor and the legislature? Yeah, I mean, the best incentive for Indiana to compete and does compete is our great workforce and our great universities and our cost of living and our quality of life and our stable leadership. Those are the best incentives for any company to start or grow here. That said, we're, 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 you know, just like the market, the, the S&P and the Dow changes every day, markets change every day, and we are competing against some of the best of the best in the United States as well as globally for, for new industry to grow our economy. And so we need to evaluate you know, our, our talent and our infrastructure and our tools to go compete. And so we did that quickly. We looked around the country. We saw what others are doing that are at the, at the best of the best. And the legislative leadership and the governor supported those initiatives. And we were quickly, I mean, it was first uh, session in 22, able to pass a revamp of our toolkit that made us really competitive, right? So the Innovation Development District uh, to attract large multi-billion dollar transactions was a game changer, continues to be a game changer. Our ability to go acquire real estate and be where the puck is going and you know in ver- versus where it is mm-hmm. is really helpful. Um, we, we're able to to add resources to our marketing and telling our message, uh, which is super important. So our our toolkit today, again, it's two years after that package was put in place, and so we got to continue to evaluate it and make sure it's current. But it's pretty darn competitive. Yeah. Well, congratulations on getting a lot of new tools, which I know makes uh, your colleagues and future leadership of IEDC have an opportunity to really compete. Right. One of the other things we've talked about, I know is important to you, is thinking about how we capture some of the graduates of our great Mm -hmm. universities and keep them in this state. I think you noted a couple of years back that we have about 75,000 students that are graduating every year from our great colleges and universities. From your perspective, are we making headway in keeping some more of the those folks in Indiana? And, and how do we make more headway? Because I know it's important yeah. to the, our state's growth. It's critically important. It's fundamentally important to growing our economy and growing average wage because, you know, those college graduates are, are have high earning potential. And so we want to keep them in our state to grow their families and, and to really pursue their own American dream. There's certain universities, uh, Indiana State's doing a terrific job, Ball State University's doing a terrific job of uh, doing more than their fair share and retaining our college graduates. But we've got a lot of work to do. It's our biggest opportunity. It's gotta be a continued focus going into the future. Some universities are, are, are really focused on it and I, I, I commend them for that. It's really important to our, our state's future, but we gotta keep, we gotta keep at it. There's, there's much more opportunity, much more work to do there. There's really no greater opportunity and yeah. challenge yeah. Uh, than keeping our it's college a big, graduates. Big opportunity for, for more work and focus for sure. 100%. You're an entrepreneur. I know you're passionate about uh, creating an even stronger entrepreneurial ecosystem in the state of Indiana. What progress do you think we've made in that regard? And what more can we do to to create even stronger opportunities for entrepreneurs in Indiana? Yeah, we've really, um, it's been a focus. It's it's the... uh, Third E of our five E focus, um, and so it's it's gotten more attention because of that, and a, a bigger team dedicated to it. We we you know we we've made some strides. We ranked in the top forty globally as an entrepreneurial destination. Number number one, which is number forty, is not 
great, but so we have work to do, but it's, it's better than being 41st or 51st, right? So we're working on that. Forbes ranked us as the number one state in the country last year to start a business. That's helpful. Uh, we launched Connect IND, which is a web portal mm -hmm. to connect would-be entrepreneurs to the resources they need to start a business and give them courage, give them mentorship, resources, access to you know, different uh, suppliers and vendors. So, so that's a step. We need to add more financial resources uh, to, to the mix. We need to be able to provide resources for angel investing and scale-up investing. So uh, again, we've made progress on entrepreneurship talking about it, but we gotta continue to do more because I think the best dollar uh, of investment we can spend is on entrepreneurship and supporting entrepreneurs. And a lot of the new jobs are coming from the small, smaller companies, right. the startup companies. Right. So it feels like it's an area we have to keep working on. 85% of our economy is, built, is made up of small and medium-sized right. businesses. So right. um, it's the biggest opportunity for sure. So switching gears internationally. I yeah. remember when we first spoke, <laughs> I, I said, so are you going to do as much travel as uh, the last guy in the yeah. job? And yeah. I think you said, probably not. Yeah. Probably not. How did that work out? Did you, yeah. did you stick to your guns on that? I really wish I could go back, rewind the tape on that. <laughs> um, listen, I admit when I'm wrong and I was clearly wrong. I mean, I wasn't even in the job. So I'll, I'll admit my, my failure on that question. I underappreciated the role of our global presence, right? We're a global economy. We have a thousand businesses in, in Indiana that come from overseas. Our global partners are really important. Our Japanese relationships are super important and longstanding. We just opened a, a new office in, in Seoul, South Korea, and that's growing rapidly. So as I got on an airplane with the governor and went to 15 different countries in the last 24 months, it really dawned on me how how important growing our economy into the future is with our global partners. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it was a great learning lesson for me, but I'm really now an evangelist of our, uh, our global economy and, and making sure we're competing um, with the best of the best, yeah. right? And we are. So, uh, yeah, I knew that question would come back to bite <laughs> me too, but, but it's all right. It's all right. It was, it was great. I, I, uh, it's one of the things I, I, I didn't appreciate yeah. either yeah. when I was in the, your role uh, and then went to Japan. Within, I got a call from Mitch yeah. Daniels within the first few weeks of him being governor saying, you, you need to start working on a, a mission trip to yeah. Japan. Yeah. I, couldn't, I didn't appreciate until we got there. There, yeah. what it meant to be in front of a CEO sitting at their headquarters, you know, in Tokyo or what have you. So I, I'm sure that hit you as well. It just it means all the difference in the world in terms of building relationships, right? hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. That trust is built, keeping them current on what we're doing and how we can help them grow and expand their business, critically important. Yeah. So um, that was a, that was fun. I knew that was going to come up. Today, <laughs> so one of maybe the biggest wins that uh, in terms of just a neck, one economic development project was Eli Lilly's announcement right. to create uh, lots of jobs and do a huge capital investment in the Leap uh, Innovation Park in Lebanon. And that was in my view, incredibly significant, especially after we kn we knew that Lilly had made decisions, you know, not not too long ago to make investments in other places, right. both in the United States yeah. and around the world. Right. Talk about a little bit about the importance of that win for the state and for the region. Well, to your point, I mean, Lilly is a global company, and and they were founded in Indiana. Thinking, speaking about the importance of entrepreneurship, right? Um, Colonel Lilly was an entrepreneur. He had a he had a drugstore. 
147 years ago, that now the 25th largest company on the globe. Mm -hmm. But they have an obligation to evaluate all alternatives for their shareholders, despite their location in Indiana. And they had just invested over a billion dollars in, in, uh, uh, in North Carolina. They've invested you know, heavily in Ireland. And so I knew they had to look globally. And so I think we had an obligation to make sure that we are as a state competitive with North Carolina and Ireland. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the, the Leap Innovation District was a reaction to not only our competitors, but where the market's going. Uh, you know, the market is reshoring and onshoring critical industries in life sciences, semiconductors, and right. in, in the energy transition. And so, you know, we leaned in, you know, um, played offense, not defense, you know, with the legislature's support, obviously uh, the legislative leadership and, and the governor. Um, and we put together what I believe is a best-in-class innovation district called the Leap Innovation District in between Purdue and right. Indianapolis and Boone County. And you know, Lily looked at that, and it was a pretty quick look. And with that new toolkit you, you talked about, um, between that toolkit and this incredible forward-looking, future-focused investment and innovation district, um, they were pretty quick to come to a conclusion that putting this $3.7 billion, their largest in company history, in Boone County was the right decision for them. So huge win for us. It's an immediate validator that that leap innovation strategy is the right one, yeah. right? To keep that company. Right. And, you know, I don't have any information here, but I, I'm confident that 3.7 billion is gonna continue to grow mm -hmm. in the next decade. Yeah. So they've got room for expansion, Leap's got room for expansion. And then there's, other than Lilly, there's, there's you know, tens of billions of dollars of industry still actively looking at that site. So I think it's uh, it's going to pay dividends for decades. Yeah, it's a strategy that uh, potentially could be repeated around the right. state given uh, yeah. some of the new tools and given the how competitive uh, it is to land projects like that. It feels like that's uh, something that might continue to drive our state's economy. Yeah, we, we, you know, we want to keep the role of government limited. And that's, you know, just, I think, a fundamental premise. And so we don't want to get into the, the business of where the private sector can serve. But that was so significant of an investment that it, we didn't think the private sector would, would have the financial capacity to, to, to deliver on that as quickly as it needed to be delivered. Yeah. And so, but to your point, if those situations arise in other parts of the state, um, we're willing to play a role mm -hmm. um, to continue to grow our economy into the future. Let's take a quick break. This is Off the Record Podcast. Get caught up on the state's top business news every business day with the Inside Indiana Business Radio On Demand podcast. Available now at InsideIndianaBusiness.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Off the Record Podcast. I'm Nate Feltman, CEO of IBJ Media. And I'm talking with Brad Chambers, who recently stepped down as Indiana Secretary of Commerce. We're going to move into some questions now that I'm planning to ask all of our Indiana 250 honorees. The first question I have yeah. is, you know, what person or people had the biggest impact on your career? Uh, maybe you want to expand beyond just your career, just how you view the world or even view Indiana. Yeah. Are there some people that are special to you in that regard? Yeah, it's not going to be one person. It's going to be a couple, a few people. And I'll... I'll go through them quickly, but the first is my father because he, he was the first to go to college in the Chambers family. I mean, my grandfather signed an X for his name, right? He was uneducated, was unable to read and write, but he made a living and he was able to put my 
father through school, and my father then was the first to go to college and, and then started his own business. So his kind of American spirit was a motivator, number one. Number two, um, there's a gentleman by the name of Joe Amaturo who used to own WIBC. Hmm. He, came, he was an, an immigrant, Italian immigrant, ended up getting into Harvard and then owned the largest chain of radio stations in the country back in the day. Okay. So he's been a mentor of mine forever. And then thirdly, on a local scene, because I'm in the housing business, is Gene Glick. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he came back from the war and started building houses and then built this gargantuan, extremely well-run housing uh, business that I always uh, admired. Uh, Gene Did you Glick. know Gene? Did you spend any time with him? I met him and didn't know him well. I wish I would have got to know him well. Yeah, so yeah. You, you know our one of the former secretaries of commerce, Mickey yeah. Maurer, yeah. actually worked with Gene. I, I didn't and, put that together. Yeah, he worked with Gene for yeah. a number of years and... Yeah. and Mickey would share that as a as a mentor. For Is sure. that right? Ab- absolutely. Yeah, he was a he was a, certainly an upstanding person and gave back to the community just profusely and yeah. great business person. So those are my three. Those are great. So you've spent the last couple of years, Brad, uh, working to improve Indiana, uh, working in economic development, and have had great success. From your perspective, what makes Indiana special, and why did you decide? to stay in Indiana after graduating from Indiana University. Why did you decide to stay here versus look at other options outside of Indiana? Well, I'll give you the advice that one of those three gentlemen gave me in little known fact. Joe said, I want you to get away from your your home base for a year or two because it's it's hard to appreciate your home base until you get away from it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I spent two years outside of Indianapolis. I had built the, you know, a portfolio of real estate properties. I handed those to a manager and I, I, I went to the West Coast for two years and I walked out of church one day and I wanted to come home, right? And it's, it's that draw of Midwestern values that are very, very unique yeah. to Indiana and to the Midwest. The people, the way we conduct ourselves, the way we interact with each other. And, and the opportunity to start a business, grow a business in Indiana uh, with that supportive Midwestern values is really fundamental, right? Mm-hmm. And, then, and then it's just, it's a great state. There's lots to do, good quality of life. And I wanted to raise my family and build a family and a life and a business here. Um, and that's, that's kind of the answer on, on how. So it was helpful for me to get two years of distance yeah. to then it came into focus just really how important and helpful and impactful that thing we call Indiana is. Uh, and I share that. I, I personally, I left the state for almost 10 years. Yeah. But it always, uh, just like you mm-hmm. shared, I gained a more, even more appreciation for Indiana yeah. and for what we have to offer right. on so many fronts. So right. I, I share that and can understand that. As you think about building Buckingham Companies, uh, which is a, a multi-billion dollar real estate development and a management company, and you reflect on what you've accomplished on the business side in your career thus far, what brings you the most joy or, or when you reflect back or you know, think about you know, all that you've built? How do you think about what you've accomplished and what brings you the most joy? You know, the fact that I've got some employees that have been with us over two decades, mm-hmm. right? Some team members. Uh, the fact that I've seen kids literally were when I'd come in on the office on Sundays and some of our team members were there with their children in a, you know, a crib in their office wow. on a Sunday. Yeah. And now those, those, those families are having their own kids. So watching the families of Buckingham grow and, 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 and being, being a part of that, having our company be a part of that, our foundation 
Buckingham Foundation and all the good work it does is super rewarding. Mm-hmm. And that's all a result of, you know, hard work and head down and building a business. I'm, I'm just thankful and grateful we did it in Indiana. And I'm thankful and grateful for the people along the way and, and the ability to have this foundation to give back. It's part of our corporate culture. Mm-hmm. So, so I think it's the way we did it versus how we did it, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And maybe there's no difference there, but you know, kind of slow, steady with quality focus, playing for the long term, not the short term. Yeah. And you know, uh, 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 creativity and, and quality, but people focus and people centric and, and civic focus. When you think about your company and your success, you know, as, as you know, a lot of entrepreneurs don't make it. Yeah. What, what was what was maybe one or two traits that you think led to you your success, your ability to grow a company, to attract great people? Yeah. What 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 are qualities that you think have made you successful in yeah. the business front? Well, no one's perfect, right? And so no company's perfect, no individual's perfect, no state's perfect. So being able to accept that you're not perfect and not, you know, you, you got to understand what you need to work on and work on it. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's important just to do the best you can do and believe that's good enough. Probably focus mm-hmm. in hard work. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not a tech entrepreneur, right? Uh, one of those really smart guys. I'm, I'm a hard worker and I can, I, I put my head down and, and I try to do it the right way. And, and so just hard work and determination, I think, and, and were really the keys. And I would encourage any entrepreneur, just you got to be focused and you got to work hard. Yeah. Good advice. So what is something surprising that maybe others don't know about, about you, Brad? Is there, is there something that comes to mind right off the top of your head? Um, my close friends realized that I just wasn't a stellar student, right? I mean, I was industrious. I, I was working when I was 15. I loved to work and be industrious. And so consequently, being, being academic and studious uh, was in conflict with my, in, in my in industrial focus. Um, and so to my father's chagrin, I was admitted to Indiana University on probation. Uh-huh. But I am super consistent because I graduated on probation. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been, uh, were you in a fraternity? Must have been too much uh, spending time in the fraternity. <laughs> uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a lot of driving back and forth, you know, painting apartments and collecting rent. Because uh-huh. I ended up with 31 rental units during college. And so I had to pay for my school uh, by working. So I, I loved coming back in. Most of those rental properties were in Indianapolis. And uh-huh. so, yeah, and then college is obviously a... Uh, a, a, f- a fun few years. Yeah. So I'm going to ask every Indiana 250 interviewee what they would, and therefore what would you do to make Indiana a better place to live um, in terms of a better place for someone to move here or grow a company or start a company uh, or something that you might change? Is there, is there what first comes to mind, especially after your two years of, of public service? Is there, is there something that comes to mind that you would say, gosh, if we did this, this could be a game changer for the state of Indiana in a positive way. Yeah, first and foremost, I want people to believe in, as you know, in my my two years, I, I'm I'm now an evangelist for for all things Indiana, right? I I've seen it in all parts of the state, the innovation and the work ethic and the and the entrepreneurialism and the and the Midwest values and the in the can-do attitude. So I just believe in this product and I want everybody to believe in this product, right? We've got great quality of life. We've got great natural resources. There's things to do. You just gotta look. And then you gotta believe. So if we believe 
that there is no limit for our state, that, you know, that we got to start there because then it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I would start with that. Let's just let's let's drop some humility. Let's drop that Hoosier humility and, and have some Hoosier confidence that we're a great place. Yeah. And and that will be contagious on a global basis. Yeah. And I've tried to kind of start that with some of our, you know, Indiana's for Winners commercials, et cetera, mm-hmm. to try to, you know, give people some courage to drop some humility and have some confidence. That's uh, a good one to attack. I think uh, if we're all sing, singing from the same uh, playbook and, and, and talking about why Indiana is great, it can start making a difference. So it's a, it's, a, it's a good one. Well, Brad, first, thank you for building a business in Indiana and employing people in Indiana, for growing it here, staying here. Thank you for two years of phenomenal service to the state of Indiana, and we look forward to seeing what comes next for Brad Chambers. Yeah, well, Nate, you know, I blame you. Um, You know, you were previous Secretary of Commerce, and you convinced me that this was a a, a good job to take and a good uh, service opportunity, and you were right. So I blame you for being right. You might be blaming me for a long time. I hope uh, that's not the case. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or I hope it is the case. <laughs> and for, you know, to, to your point, coming back to Indiana, being a, a Hoosier entrepreneur too, and doing what you're doing with the IBJ and, and growing that business in Indiana and getting the good word of Indiana out. So thanks for having me. Thanks for what you're doing. You're not just sitting back, you're leaning forward and and that's awesome. So, Great to be with yeah. you, Brad. After we finished that talk, Brad announced he was running for governor. So I checked back in with him about that decision. Brad, you recently announced that you're running for governor after two record-setting years leading the state's economic development efforts as Indiana Secretary of Commerce. What made you decide to run for governor, Brad? Nate, I, uh, I'll tell you, I, I, um, I, I obviously had a two-year commitment to Governor Holcomb, um, had never been in a, in a state role or a government role before. And I came into that, into that role with some, some experience, like 39 years of being an entrepreneur in the state and being a consumer of the state's economy. And I, I came to that role with some intuition about what we could be doing, what we should be doing as it relates to our state's economy and what the potential was for our economy. And, uh, I, you know, intuitively, uh, I think the results speak for themselves. You know, we delivered $33 billion of new capital investment to the state at 30% higher wages, unprecedented historic amounts. We brought in two new, two new industries to the state that had never been there. And the, 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 you know, the, the result is, is that Indiana's got this great product. We've got great people. We've got great universities. And, and we, need to, we need to shoot higher. We need to run faster. We need to take advantage of this incredible potential of our state. And, and it was proof that, that my intuition was accurate that we can do that, you know, uh, by going to get an economy we want, not just accept an economy that shows up, be, be strategic and opportunistic and, and, and play offense for, for all Hoosiers and, and lift people up economically. And so you know, I, I, I looked at, at the two-year journey of Secretary of Commerce. I had an absolute blast. We had such a great team there. There's no I in team. Um, we all did it together. We had a strategic plan. And, and I'm like, there's more to do. This is a timely opportunity for the state of Indiana. We're in this macro environment, Nate, uh, where there's lots of, you know, lots of macro trends going on. Indiana is competitive. And I just I looked around and I said, you know, I'm uniquely qualified as, as someone who's never been in political office. 
Um, I'm uniquely qualified. I've been the chief uh, economic evangelist for the state. Uh, in yes, it's not inside my comfort zone to to run for a political elected office, but you know, I I uh, uh, I've got a saying that you know I try to live by, and, and that's get get comfortable being uncomfortable. And so I I I, I uh, decided to you know throw my hat in the ring for governor and try to try to lead economic development, lead uh, Hoosier prosperity for four more years. Brad, you just mentioned that you've never run for for public office before and uh, haven't sought it, haven't haven't uh, been in public office. What do you think will be your biggest challenge? Well, I mean, two sides to that coin. My biggest challenge is I, I I'm not well known. Um, you know, I've been a, a, a focused uh, head down business CEO for you know almost forty years and and going about you know doing the work we've done and growing this business business nationally. But uh, on the other side of that coin of not having name recognition, I think I think Hoosiers, you know, respond to respect guys who have not made a career of being in politics. This to me is a service job. This is you know, this is not a a career choice. This is I want to help grow our economy. I want to help lift Hoosiers up by being aspirational, by being urgent in in growing our economy the right way driving higher wages, bringing in industries that are going to keep our kids and our grandkids here. So to answer your question concisely, I, I you know, name recognition, getting the word out of who Brad Chambers is, is going to be a challenge. But on the other side of that, I think when when people understand that I've, I've been head down business uh, owner, I've, I've lived the American dream, starting a business from nothing in college, and I've not been a politician ever, I've never run for public office ever, but I want to give back. I want to continue to serve the state. I think that's going to resonate. Yeah, I think you just also just answered uh, my next question in, in, in large part. Maybe you want to expand a little bit on it. But uh, I was going to ask you how you would set yourself apart from the four other declared candidates. Of course, uh, three out of those four are in politics and have been or have been in politics. You sort of answered that a little bit, but maybe you want to expand a little bit how you'd set yourself apart from uh, the four others that have declared that they are running for governor as well. I mean, all four of them that are that are that are in the race uh, before I I joined um, have run for public office. Every one of them had run for public office. They've they've, That's they've, right. they've aspired to do that. I'm the only one that has truly never ever put my hat in the ring for a for a, an elected position. And I I think the contrast between the candidates is going to be super important. And and I think I've got a a proven track record of creating historic capital investment and job growth, a wage growth in our state in a very short period of time. I think I have a track record, a demonstrable track record of thinking boldly, of doing things that have never been done before in economic development and job creation in the state. I've got a, I've got a you know, 39 year track record to build a pretty big business and, and hiring people, recruiting people and inspiring people to come work in this, in this great culture that we have at our business. So there's gonna be lots of distinction and contrast between all the candidates along the way there's there's a record of the the folks that have been in politics for for a very long time of of the way they think and the way they act you know that's very governmental versus very business-like and ceo-like and aspirational and and focused on a prosperity message and and a higher wage and putting more money in who's your pockets and that's my that's my focus keeping getting government out of our hair and and in creating fertilizing this great place of Indiana so that we can grow wages and, and lift people up economically. I want to reduce licensing. I want to reduce fees. I want to, I you know, there, there's too many 
uh, license requirements. There's too many testing. There's too many fees that are coming around. To, they're affecting small businesses that I think we need to really look closely at, just as one small example. Yeah. So if you're fortunate enough to uh, to be elected to represent uh, nearly 7 million Hoosiers, what will be your number one priority? I know, of course, you're you're an entrepreneur by background. Will entrepreneurial activity will um, will that be part of your your uh, work and efforts? Uh, how how would you characterize your number one priority as governor? Running it like a business, number one job of a governor, Nate, I, I, I is is growing the economy. Number one job of a governor is growing the economy. I'll, I'll say it a couple of times because when you grow revenues and you and you you manage the business of the state of Indiana well, it generates resources to pay for the things we need, like better education. It pays for the resources that we need for treating mental health and dealing with fentanyl and making sure people are safe through great public safety. Um, So job number one of a governor is growing the economy. I think I'm uniquely qualified to do that based on my business experience and now as Secretary of Commerce for the the next few years. But kind of three-pronged approach is going to be growing the economy, lifting people up through higher wages, quality of life focus, and then, and then, you know, also, you know, focusing on education and try to move the ball forward because we have to, we have to make sure kids can read, you know, before they get going on their educational journey. And then we need to, we need to support them along that educational journey so that they can, they can go um, post high school and have alternatives that are not just college-based, that there's trade alternatives, that there's two-year coding degrees, there's, there's welding degrees, there's, you know, these a, a, a number of different pathways post high school, um, including college. College would just be one of those pathways. So, so you know, three prong focus for me: education, economy, and quality of life. Thank you, Brad, and uh, good luck on your run. Hey, thanks, Nate. Really appreciate it. Thanks to Brad Chambers for our conversations. To learn more about leaders and IBJ Media's Indiana 250 list, go to indiana250.com and look for a page two feature each week in IBJ. We'll be back with a new Indiana 250 conversation soon. 